You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM with Min Karen Audula, and we are speaking to Camille Curry, president of BC Healthcare Matters. And we're talking about the BC family doctor shortage and how nearly a million British Columbians do not have a family doctor. Camille, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's an important topic for us to talk about. For sure. It's definitely very relevant. And before we get into this, could you please tell us a bit about BC Healthcare Matters and how this whole group got started? Yeah, so we are a grassroots uh, BC residents group, and we've come together basically as being residents of BC that are just sick and tired of seeing the exodus of family doctors, of witnessing how many um, BC residents are going without having a family doctor or with limited access to family doctor they have. So I started this group up in January, and we've been growing quite exponentially, and um, in May we even developed into a society. And so our goal is basically to make it very clear to the government that we want action now and that we want better decisions to be made with the um, money that's in the health ministry system. And we want every BC resident to be able to have access to a family doctor. So we are, um, we also, we also have some other initiatives like lawn signs you might've seen popping up and stuff like that. So we're just doing everything to really try to get the message out there that this needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed now. And for you, you know, especially being part of this group, what is your experience like, you know, getting a family doctor? What are you hearing from other people? Yeah, it's, um, I think, despair. (laughs) Despair, anger, fear. Um, Those are all very vivid um, emotions that the people are feeling right now. There's just, there's literally no choices. There are no doctors in British Columbia right now taking new patients. And it's terrifying. It's really terrifying for everyone because we become more and more aware about Um, the risk factors to citizens with not having a family doctor. Diseases go diagnosed later, um, conditions are not taken care of, people are not getting their medications. Um, This is going to have a huge toll on our system. It already is. It's already inundating our acute care system in our ERs. We see ER closures, we see ER um, being overwhelmed, and all of that does link back to the family doctors. They are the... um, basically the primary system, right? They are where it all starts from. And when we don't have a primary care system in place, every other part of our healthcare system suffers. And Camille, I'm sure you're familiar with this story, but it has been making the rounds. There was this couple on the island that had put an ad out because this woman wanted to get her husband a family doctor because the doctor retired a couple months ago. And just the fact that you have this couple putting an ad out there in desperation that they need a family doctor, I mean, what do you make of that? Well, I think like many others, isn't it absolutely appalling that our system has come to such a state that that's the measures that people have to take to try to basically save themselves? Um, You know, medications, refills are a really big issue right now, and I'm not sure if everybody is always aware that it's not so easy to just get those refills. There are many medications that telehealth won't prescribe, that walk-in clinics and urgent primary care centers will refuse to refill because they want you to have somebody that's monitoring your care longitudinally. And so there aren't many options. The options just aren't abundant, and lives depend on medications. So for our government to be doing nothing, um, it's yeah, it's appalling. And I am, I'm glad that this couple was able to get some help to get some prescriptions refilled, but my understanding is they're still without a family doctor. And They're not alone. There are so many individuals we hear from that cannot even get, you know, basically life-sustaining, life-saving medications refilled in the system we have right now. So I don't know how it's come to this. 
Exactly. I think a lot of people have so many questions and kind of looking at especially our government here, the BC government, we heard that kind of these urgent and primary care centers were, it wasn't going to be the full solution, but it was part of trying to address the issue. But are those enough? Well, exactly. And, you know, we suggested months ago that we believed the taxpayers deserve to know if funding more UPCCs was the best choice for addressing this crisis. So we're really quite glad to see that the health critic Shirley Bond is pressing forward with her line of questioning in requesting an audit on urgent primary care centres. Um, we've even witnessed our own Premier wavering on what it is that urgent primary care centres represent. And most recently, he's you know stated that they were stopgap measures, but yet up until this point, we were told they were part of the solution. So there's clearly no consistency there. And we need, um, we need care. We need action now. We need our money to be used in the best way possible for all BC residents. Mm-hmm. And what do you find are some of the misconceptions around this issue, particularly to do with the uh, family doctor shortage? Um, so I think one of them is that often people think that we just don't have enough doctors here. And that's not necessarily the case because um, if you look at the stats, we actually have like 6,800 licensed family doctors in this province, but only 3,400 of them are practicing um, community family family medicine. So it's not so much even an issue that we don't have enough bodies. And the reason that's important to um, address is because that speaks to why are the people not working in this profession. So we need to see the improvements made for the models, the models that they're paid with, so that we can see more of them choosing to come back into this field, choosing to stay in this field, and also, obviously, for attracting more individuals. Um, So that's quite a large misconception that's out there, thinking that it's just that we need to train more people. Training more people isn't going to address the huge issue we have with the pay models in this province. And pay models is something that I've been hearing about, especially we've been talking to a number of family doctors here in BC. And what needs to be changed about the pay model? So I think, you know, some people may not realize that in British Columbia, the fee-for-service model, the doctors here are the lowest paid in the entire country. Um, And we have, I'm pretty sure, one of the top, if not the top, cost of living expenses here. So that in itself is a huge problem. We need um, proper proper remuneration so that physicians can stay in practice here and can afford to do so because right now they can't. Um, We also need for there to be more options. Some doctors might want to work on what are called alternative pay models and those are kind of more salaried positions and so why not make that available? Just like there's lots of different patients and patients needs, there's lots of different doctors and different doctors that want to be paid in different ways Um, but even those models are very restrictive right now and also very limited. The health authority only hands out so many of them so we've already heard of newly trained doctors that wanted to take on alternative pay models and have been told that there's um, none available for them to take. So that's incredibly discouraging as well. And Camille, now kind of knowing all this information, I mean, what role can the government play in addressing this issue? Well, I think the government plays the most key role, really. They're the ones that have the numbers. They have the budgets. They know what's being spent where. They also have a full understanding of what the Canada Health Act and stipulates. And I think that the government should be um, far more concerned about whether they're complying with the Canada Health Act. You know, while the federal government cannot compel them to comply, they can start withholding funds. And so the ball is in the government's court 100%. They need to start collaborating with the people that are working these jobs, the family doctors, and they need to start coming forward with solutions and action now because we can't keep waiting. There is just no way that we can go on like this. Our system is crumbling in every aspect. 
And I think part of the concern, too, is we keep hearing this. Our public health care system is one, of course, that Canada really does pride itself on. Everybody should be able to have access to health care. And, of course, even a family doctor. Are you concerned that potentially, you know, we could see the private? Of course, we we did see a fight, Dr. Brian Day, that was happening. He wanted to bring in private, but he was kind of pushed aside for that and said, you know, public health care is really important. But are you worried that it could potentially crumble down the road? Um, I am, but I have not given up hope whatsoever. Our group is very focused on making sure that we support um, measures that will ensure universal publicly funded health care for everyone. And we believe that it is possible to get back to that. Perhaps there may need to be more um, funding coming in from different locations. And if that's possible, if that's necessary, then we'll support that if that's what's needed. But Um, We do not believe that privatization is the cure or the fix to this crisis that we're facing right now. And it's really important for everyone to also understand the risks that would come with further privatization of our system. If we start to see more doctors leaving the public system to go into privatization, that doesn't help us. That makes BC worse off, and that makes all the residents of British Columbia worse off. And Camille, finally, I want to ask you, if people want to get involved with this issue, what can they do? Absolutely. So we have a website at bchealthcarematters.com, and on there people can um, look up information, they can become more informed on the subject, they can also uh, download templates for writing letters to their MLA, which is really impactful. They can also order lawn signs that we have available, and they can make donations to our society, because more funding that we receive and more donations will help us continue to push forward with our efforts to hold more rallies, more demonstrations, and make this the number one topic in British Columbia so that no government can ignore this. And we'll have no choice but to take action on this matter. Camille, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. Thank you. You as well.